are listening to The Cooler Ring, a podcast made for manufacturing marketers. Here are Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, a podcast for manufacturing marketers brought to you by Cooler Partners, an agency made for manufacturers. My name is Jeff White and joining me today is Carmen Perry. Carmen, how are you doing? I'm doing well, sir. It's uh, good to be chatting again today. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to our conversation. It should be interesting. Yeah, I, um, I know that a lot of um, uh, marketers uh, certainly... Um, it, you know, we, um, it, it's funny, I think sometimes B2B marketers feel, uh, like they play kind of second fiddle sometimes when it comes to brand related conversations to their B2C counterparts. So that's why rarely I, actually the case. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I'm saying excited about today's, uh, guest that I think we're going to really kind of unpack that in a, in a very B2B centric context. And I think they've done some fantastic work. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited as well. So joining us today is Kathy Dodd, the VP of Marketing at Poly One. Welcome to The Cooler Ring, Kathy. Great. Thank you for having me today. I appreciate it. Kathy, wonderful to be chatting with you. And um, and uh, I'm really excited for you to take us through uh, um, the, the, the kind of the evolution that's underway at, at Poly One. Um, I wonder if we could start with uh, maybe just uh, telling our listeners a bit more about you and um, and also uh, a little bit more about Poly One and what the uh, what the company does. Certainly, um, Poly One is a global specialty material supplier. Uh, we provide solutions around the world that enable many industries, such as the automotive industry, aerospace, healthcare, and beyond. I joined Poly One almost six years ago as the VP of Marketing. I've got about 30 years of experience in B2B and B2C marketing. My current role includes everything from strategic insight and strategic planning for the company, marketing communications. I also am responsible for our inside sales organization as well as our IQ design organization. And again, I've been here about six years. Wow. Uh, that's, uh, it seems like you've been up to a lot in that six years too. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, well, let's, um, I, I know that when we were kind of getting introduced to Poly One in our conversations in the lead up to today's show that, um, certainly, um, uh, like a lot of manufacturers, uh, Poly One was very much, uh, heavy in, uh, acquisition mode, lots of M&A activity over the past number of years, more than, more than one a year, as I understand it. And, and with that has come some, um, I guess, a requirement to, uh, bring clarity to the brand. Um, I guess, uh, first things first, can you just give our listeners a bit of that context around, you know, what kind of acquisition activity are we talking about and kind of where was the starting point here for this kind of uh, brand evolution that's underway. Yeah, certainly. So um, since I've been here for six years and well before that, the Poly One has been acquiring very core businesses to our area of expertise, whether that has been in color and additives, um, engineered materials, and now an expansive portfolio of composites. So we did and continue to acquire into, um, again, our expert areas. And anytime you do that, your brand and your company evolves along with the customers that you engage with and their needs. And we realized that we needed to step back and make sure we were truly communicating to our customers what we could bring them in regard to solutions for their innovations, as well as making sure our associates that we had in the past and in the future understand the company they're joining and the expertise they can help bring as well. So would it be fair to say that in some ways the company had grown so much um, that in some ways it just 
you needed to, to kind of wrap your arms around the total capabilities that had evolved over that time and really, um, and, and it just, uh, it, you know, maybe the communications hadn't kept up with the, um, uh, with the acquisition activity for a little while. Would that be fair? Absolutely. You know, oftentimes you do kind of just do the, the top surface communications along the way. But if you think about a company like Poly One, we have over 50,000 MSDS sheets, which means unique um, solutions we provide to customers, along with touching anywhere from 11 to 13 different industries, which can include about 120 some market segments in those industries. So when you sum all of that up, it's not always easy to articulate what you can do for your customers in those many spaces globally. So we realized we needed to step back and make sure we gave that clarity so people understood how we could partner with them. Wow, you, um, you did a great job of summarizing um, the brand challenge. <laughs> the uh, raw numbers yeah. come into play um, there, yeah. And, and the, the sheer complexity of it all. So how did you, I guess, um, what's the what's the framework or process that you decided to uh, follow as, as you went down this path? And how did you decide to tackle this? Certainly. So, you know, a couple things came to mind as we began tackling it. We really wanted to make sure that we were true to um, our core elements and values of who we are. That really has not changed over the years. But again, as I mentioned, we may not have been clearly communicating that as we've evolved and as our customers' needs have evolved. So once we identified and landed on Challenge Accepted, the goal toward that was to answer some important questions. Who is Poly One? You know, why do customers choose to work with us? Why do investors choose to buy our stock? And why do associates choose to work for us? And as we began digging into that, we started understanding the essence of our DNA and what we stand for. You know, we really are result driven and we love to conquer challenges. And we wanted to make sure people knew who we were for them and for ourselves. You undertook a, a great deal of persona work and, and voice of the customer um, to help inform this so that you really understood exactly what challenge accepted meant, right? Um, and I can walk through that a little bit here if you would like. You know, when we did take a look at this, it was really about our customers and our associates. We wanted to land on truly the true essence of Holly One. So we did some different internal workshops so we could really dig at the valuable offerings we bring to customers letting them understand what our products and expertise and services would bring, how we can help them bring their innovations to life faster. We also bring some components around regulations and issues that folks are facing today in the world and how we could help them mitigate those risks. And we can also bring a single source to polymers, design, distribution, and manufacturing. We know the breadth of what it takes from A to Z and we can bring that expertise to them, ultimately making our customers' jobs easier. We then take that to vetting that with our customers and associates. So once we crafted some areas that we thought were shaping who we were, we ran those by a group of our associates and our customers in different forms and fashion, and they confirmed our strengths. They confirmed our strengths of high quality materials and how we could help them develop and improve the process. But it was really important that we got the voice of the customer uh, from our customers. We spoke to them in different industries. As I mentioned, we touch about 11, 13 some industries. So we talked to individuals in the automotive industry, healthcare and consumer in various roles such as designing, engineering, 
purchasing and marketing again to make sure we got the breadth across all the different individuals and functions we may engage with at that customer. And they really ultimately told us what was working for them was that we came in and helped them solve problems that rose to the top of the list. I wonder, um, well, uh, maybe that was a surprise, I don't know, but, um, uh, it, it, you know, the, coming to that finding. But, and if it wasn't, I wonder, were there any surprises in that process um, as you began to go out there and talk to customers and really begin to understand why they choose Poly One? You know, I think what was exciting is that I don't think we had any huge surprises other than what stood out is our customers consistently told us the same thing. The depth in which they see us as a, as a um, solution provider for them, um, creating um, solutions and material um, offerings for them to bring their innovations, just continue to speak from them. And so I think what was surprising is that it was really clear what we are and what we were for our customers and that we just weren't always communicating that. I think where the aha came was across our associates. As we rolled out Challenge Accepted, this has resonated with everybody in the company, across all of our um, associates in our manufacturing sites, all the way up to our executives. It really doesn't matter the role you play at Poly One. Everyone embraced Challenge Accepted to be that problem-solving expert. Um, that we could truly help our customers, even our communities. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Kathy, but I wonder um, if, you know, in some ways, if the if the customers were so consistent with their feedback, it almost seems like whether it was by design or not, Poly One was being very good at communicating, uh, at least in some way, the uh, the, the benefits of Poly One. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but did you find that there was a, a disconnect between what customers thought and maybe prospects that didn't know you thought that maybe part of the job was just to shape up what customers believed about you and to, to bring that to your public facing prospect world as well? Yeah, you know, I think um, you're making a good point here. Hindsight, our communication probably was representing who we were all along. And to, to be a company, to take on challenges, to do it with high levels of integrity and really solve problems. I just don't think we were standing on that platform and stating that and owning it on a regular basis. And I think to your point, when we were looking for new customers, new associates, maybe it wasn't always clear to them at the beginning, but I think it was in our, and I know it's in our DNA. So whether they felt it at the beginning or eventually did, they probably would have seen it and come to the conclusion on their own. And I, I wonder too, because I mean, part of establishing this new, you know, uh, new brand and new tag and, and all of that was, of course, putting in place new digital assets, new site. I mean, you were going from a large number of sites down to one and, and simplifying the, the page count and all of that. Um, you know, perhaps it was just that what maybe what made you feel that you might not have been uh, saying it quite that way was just the disparate number of ways and disparate number of platforms you were using to do it mm. previously. You, you know, you're exactly right. When I joined the company um, six years ago, it was interesting. Some individuals were asking, you know, when and how are we going to promote the brand more? What, how can we go out and communicate more? And honestly, at the time, I was hesitant because I really didn't want to drive traffic to our current website. It was not representative of what and who I thought Poly One was when I joined. And so we did. We took um, 12 sites down to one single site um, and really had to unravel about 7,000 web pages, which is now consolidated to about 2,000. 
the goal was to really, though, bring relevant business content that was actionable, continually updated, and that our customers could truly visit um, and come in and solve problems to a point on their own and know how to reach out and contact the right person on our end that could then help them really get to that solution. Um, it took us, you know, four or five months to really get all this done and unravel it. But within about a six to seven month, we had launched a new website on an open source and has now kept us very agile as we do acquire uh, new companies that allows us to continue staying current on that website and the landing pages. I think you're to be congratulated for having done that in uh, that six to seven months. Of time. But, um, yeah. the, there's a lot of people that would dearly love to move through that process that fast. <laughs> um, well, you know, it is challenge accepted and it does fit our DNA. <laughs> this is true. Uh, I wonder, um, I mean, of course, uh, uh, traffic loss mitigation with, uh, with your redirects and everything of that nature is uh, kind of table stakes for this kind of um, uh, consolidation and redesign. But did you notice any kind of overall decrease in traffic or lead flow? You know, actually, we did not. We saw it go up greatly. One thing that we did is we we really put a plan in place. There was a roadmap put out, and we were cautious of the areas that we were concerned might cause a decrease, who already had some nice traffic. We were very diligent on how we approached the change, how clear we were. Um, and with that pre-planning, we really saw no traffic decline. In fact, it immediately began to go up. Uh, from within the first month of a new website launch, we were seeing a great deal of increase. We also added some other features. We already had a form you could fill out online, and we did have a call center, but we stepped up the call center training. We saw a great deal of increase coming in from the phone. And then shortly thereafter, we added an online chat line where people could just chat with some of our lead specialists. And that, again, grew the traffic um, significantly for us. Nice, nice. Seven out of 10 redesigns experience a, a traffic dip at launch. So yeah. it's always nice to be in that three out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That's when not being in the majority is a very good thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what was the the process that you used to determine, you know, what pages to keep and, and what, how to consolidate and all of that? Like where, where were you going with that process as you began to uh, look towards a more consolidated site? Sure. Well, first of all, first and foremost, it's about the team that's assigned to it. I had five or six folks internally that were dedicated to this. They, they had a day job, but they dedicated a significant amount of time over that six month window. We did hire an outside firm also to bring some expertise in that was known for driving a return on investment on websites. And when they shared that with us at the beginning, that was where we wanted to land. So the team really just put the maps in place, put the roadmaps in place on how to go in and unravel kind of piece by piece. We took it website by website, industry by industry, even product portfolio by product portfolio. And once we broke it off in those sound bites, we were able to do this with caution and really had a pattern that the team wanted to follow. So I counted on a team here, uh, a team of experts and individuals who knew what they envisioned um, and had studied this and understood websites and website development and content marketing and so forth. 
Are your digital marketing efforts bringing in too many junk leads? Stop wasting time and distracting your sales team. Account-based marketing can help give your marketing strategy the laser focus on qualified buyers that you need to increase your pipeline velocity, close more deals, and grow your business faster. We've created a sample manufacturing ABM plan to help you get started. Download the sample manufacturing ABM plan at bit.ly slash sample ABM. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash sample ABM. wonder if we could, uh, I'm just kind of curious. I, I, I really like the, the strap line challenge accepted, and I, I love the extent to which the business really seems to be wholly adopting it. Um, how is that... Uh, I guess, how, how has that changed? Um, has it clarified your position against your competitors? How is, I guess, any kind of texture you can give us there in terms of the competitive dynamic? Because it seems like um, I, I find often in this space, um, you know, often your competitive set can maybe be facing a bit of that uh, um, jumbled up communications challenges that you were maybe facing beforehand. So when you bring clarity to your uh, position and messaging, it sometimes stands in stark contrast, I guess. So um, I guess talk to me about that. Competitively, where does challenge accepted sit? Certainly. You know, I think it sits way outside of anything our competitors are doing. Um, we really did not go out looking at our competitors as a benchmark and how we wanted to communicate who we were. We identified who we were, and we happened to realize that it's, it's almost, again, outside the industry of material if you look at what other material providers are talking about, they're using a lot of the buzzwords that anyone would. In fact, when we did study it, we were able to remove their known taglines off the piece of paper, and it was quite difficult to put them back in the right place. It was a little bit of the same thing on each one. We looked um, at B2C companies. We looked at service companies. We looked globally to see where else did we fall and what were some common language that we could consider that we felt fit, fit the DNA of who we were and that's where we landed on Challenge Accepted. I will also tell you we're a bit different than our competitors because we offer such a variety and a spectrum of product offerings. Oftentimes our competitors only offer a subset of what we bring. So we bring a complete portfolio solution um, and do have that advantage. It's interesting. I, I um, did you use brand archetype uh, theory at all in your work in uh, arriving at challenge accepted? Yes, we did. We used brand archetype. We looked at personas of our customers. Uh, we walked through that in great detail, in fact, to make sure that we were not only thinking about the archetype of who we were, but the audiences, the breadth of audiences that we would touch uh, with our communications. So have you arrived at um, an archetype that you use in your communication? And do you communicate that internally uh, to the team to say, like, this is who we are, as this is how we act? Um, we didn't really build that into it. It's more the foundation and behind the scenes of who we are. It is really written down below within the content. So as we lead with Challenge Accepted, and we talk about that in the different functions in the different globe, you know, around the globe of when we communicate this, it becomes part of the content that we provide. Because again, once you get past the headline of challenge accepted, we will then go down into very granular to a certain product or a certain industry segment. And that's when we bring that archetype to life. Cool. Kathy, I wonder, um, 
Well, it's the hardest part about this work. I mean, I know that you've been, um, I mean, a very, very experienced marketer on both B2B and B2C. So uh, I think, frankly, when somebody's as experienced as you, uh, you can just make it sound really easy. Um, so, uh, but was there a part of this that you found was uh, heavier lifting than others or uh, caused you some sleepless nights? You know, I think sometimes it's the internal cell and the positioning of it to make sure everyone feels like they're a part of it. Um, and that can can be the hard part. But I'll tell you how we actually uh, mitigated what I think could have been more difficult was during our internal launch, we really brought a lot of representation to the table across our different functions. That included EH&S and legal and our business partners and finance and HR so that they all felt they had a say and they could all help bring it to life once we had identified what our position was within Challenge Accepted. So as it then got rolled out to the various internal departments and to the executives and leaders, they felt that they had been properly represented. And so I do think we mitigated a great deal of problems we would have had if they did not feel that they had been represented. When you're in a B2B company, it can be filled with a lot of very smart, intellectual, analytical people who need to understand the process we took, and that's what we were able to do. How do you, um, I'm always kind of struck because I, I guess, look, I, I understand that, uh, you know, people rarely accept something that they didn't have a part of in creating and that, uh, getting into a position of co-creation with, uh, members of the team, et cetera, uh, will certainly help with that level of buying. And then I always contrast that with the, you know, the, the, I guess the non-frosted mini wheat side of my personality. That's like, ah, I just, you know, you know what, what needs to be done and you don't necessarily uh, want a lot of opinions in, uh, in bringing it to life. So I guess my question is, um, how do you guard against uh, asking people for their input when uh, everybody gets their say, but not everybody gets their way? Yeah, it's a great point you're making. And I have had um, many points in my career where I've just gone and told and realized that that often wasn't the most successful way, but there is quite an art to it and a balance. Uh, We did have, again, kind of a process we wanted to approach. We had a core working team of about five people. And from the very beginning, it was clear that we had veto rights, that we were gonna guide it on behalf of the company There's also a great deal of history with the team, with the new website that was launched, bringing Challenge Accepted a little later. We'd also gain a great deal of credibility. And that does help among our community of folks. When they see certain people on a project, they have a high level of confidence that we're working on behalf of them. So we had those five core folks, and then we would tap into these other resources when we thought it was appropriate. And it was sometimes a bit already baked there was something they could react to. It wasn't just a plain white piece of paper. So there are some guardrails we put up. We would also then try to listen and pull from them if they would stretch us a little past the guardrails because oftentimes they would have something good and value adding to say beyond what we were asking of them. Um, but we set, we set the roles and responsibilities in place at the very beginning. We also had permission from our executives to do this as well. Um, They understood it from a top down, that there was a subset of individuals that were going to manage to this, and that was also agreed on from the beginning. I like the honesty around the veto power and just saying, like, (laughs) we're we're asking you for your input here, but and know in advance that we really want to hear it, and at the same time, we're going to do what's right based upon what we hear. Yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) 
what one of the things that I, I found particularly interesting about uh, about this work that you've been doing is just the the success it's had. You know, you spoke already of the of the traffic increase, but uh, talk to us a little bit about how it's uh, driven leads and how how your sales team has kind of reacted to that. Certainly, I will, and it's it's been really pretty amazing. Um, we've had. Um, it's been multiple levels of increase of leads that we've had. We probably quadrupled the amount of leads within a given year, but we've also improved the quality of those leads that have come in because when people are coming to our website, they can really begin solving toward their questions and then do an online chat or a phone call with someone. And they might be one or two steps away from actually purchasing, which again is unique in a B2B company. In doing this, it made us realize that we were not tapping into a particular channel to market, and that is what we refer to as the inside sales team. This is not an uncommon group of folks that many companies have, but ours are basically sellers without a car. They are not just um, customer service reps. They really are individuals that um, have accounts they manage. They just manage them from the phone or from the computer. This allowed us to be more agile and quick to respond to these online chats and, and phone calls we would uh, receive. The website also removed a lot of friction to buy. We were able to really just get into the essence of what they needed. They didn't feel like someone had to come and always visit them. And we were able to, again, fill this channel with the inside sales team. Now to complement that, we have a fantastic external field seller group. And when the call or the chat would come in, and the, the account was a little more complex, we would then feed these leads to our field sellers as well. And they would take those and get those into the sales funnel and close them as well. But I will tell you, this has brought an amazing amount of return on investment to this website and the investment the company has made and continues making toward it. And that is not easy in B2B companies. Quite right. And the, um, the inside sales team reports through to you, correct, Kathy? But uh, does the field sales uh, as well? No, the field sellers report into our business unit. So we've got um, three business segments today that they report into. We work closely aligned with them. I mean, our goal within corporate marketing is to be an enabling partner for all our sellers in the company. The inside sales team happens to report because a, a, good, a good amount of what they lead on comes from our digital sources today and continues to grow. So we felt it was um, best suited to have them report into marketing at this time, and it seems to be working very well. And uh, and of course, I'm, I'm assuming that helps with the, uh, I mean, it's, it's not about integrating because they're part of the exact same team, so it couldn't be more integrated in some way. And I'm assuming the marketers must love having access to uh, that kind of voice of the customer on a day-in, day-out basis from the inside sales team. You know, they do. They're learning actually to tap into this as a go-to team that they can go and sit down with that aren't busy out in the field and having to drive somewhere. They have easier access to them, and we do do a lot of piloting through the inside sales team uh, because of their availability. Very cool. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> well, Kathy, thank you so much. Um, I, I really enjoyed this conversation and exploring how poly one has brought clarity to the brand um i guess uh, any kind of parting advice to the marketers out there who may be staring down the barrel of a similar challenge uh and, and uh they're 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 they haven't uh, consolidated a website in six months as an example etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, anything they ought to be keeping eyes open for yeah i mean i think a couple key points that i've already hit on is one is identify a solid team in-house um, that can stay consistent and see the project through. 
again, you mentioned earlier, give them the veto rights, make sure they're empowered to do the job they see and have a clear goal and vision, but really tap into what that customer's needing. Make sure they know what their customer and their audience really needs from a website and truly listen to it. We were all about having an external in view, not an internal out view. It wasn't about what we've done before within Poly One. It's what can we do for our customers? And if you keep that as your mantra the whole time, you'll land where you need to for that website. <laughs> That's, uh, Nicely wrapped. Yeah, exactly. And great, great advice, Kathy. Thanks so much for joining us today and uh, sharing your expertise on the podcast. I appreciate it. And the last parting words is, you know, challenge accepted. Thanks for listening to The Cooler Ring with Carmen Perry and Jeff White. Don't miss a single manufacturing marketing insight. Subscribe now at coolapartners.com slash the cooler ring. That's K-U-L-A partners.com slash the cooler ring.